Welcome again to uh, Back and Forth. This is Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. Uh, my name is John Vandergriff. I'm one of the owners and wealth planners of Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. I'm joined, as always, by Zach Hill, uh, our operations team lead slash uh, portfolio guru slash remedy coffee man. You're going to get a lot of <laughs> Yeah, I, I like here. the added titles each week. Yeah, just... you know, it's just names that say what you do. That's yeah. what a title is. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> What we're doing today is talking about a topic that um, you may think we are not unbiased to give, but I think it's a good topic to go back and forth on, and that is whether a financial advisor is needed, important, whether you should use one, however you want to verbalize that, but kind of pros and cons of having a financial advisor. And obviously, you know, with our company being based on financial planning, with uh, me being a financial advisor, I will probably take the pro-financial advisor <laughs> approach uh, so that I don't have to force myself to quit. Um, you know, Zach is going to take the approach, which, you know, is, is more reflective of his background and, and different things of maybe why an advisor may not be a fit for a time, potentially, or, you know, kind of, we we may even go into kind of what things you may need an advisor for at different stages, yeah. you know, because that may be a good thing. Uh, thing to kind of give some people a little bit of guidance because I think you know the the main deal that we have to look at is just getting the appropriate amount of advice for whatever the period of time that you're in right. and I you know I even had this conversation the other day with a younger person that was saving and I was like honestly the complexity of a financial plan increases as the assets grow right. you know but but that's yeah. not the only thing cuz sometimes you may need a little bit of guidance at the beginning of that process so mm-hmm. so again we're going to go back and forth on this just see how this conversation evolves and so I will kind of tease Zach up uh, to go yeah. ahead and take why why a financial advisor may not be a good fit for you maybe yeah. is the best way to say that. So. Yeah, and I think you've already kind of set me up for the first thing that I want to cover, which is <clears throat> it's really dependent on how many assets you have. Mm-hmm. Is If you don't have many assets, a financial advisor might not be able to do much more for you than you're able to do for yourself. There's a couple of different examples for that. One is um, obviously someone who potentially is uh, a recent college graduate or just entered the workforce and really hasn't had any time to accumulate wealth is you've been in college for the last four years, this is your first job, and you've got $5,000 saved up, definitely don't need a financial advisor. You're going to waste their time. You're going to waste your time. They're going to most Any good financial advisor will just tell you, keep saving. And I think that's really important because that's gonna, that stage of life could be for a prolonged period of time. There are a lot of advisors who won't take uh, any clients unless they have a certain number of assets mm-hmm. at like a certain dollar amount, you know, whether that's six figures or up. And so there's a, there's a lot of people who don't have that. And so for those people, a financial advisor, I don't think is really an appropriate fit. Um, and so that tends to skew on the younger end, just because, like I said, you just haven't had time to accumulate wealth. And so what that does is it also um, is that means that most people who are on the younger end are higher on the risk tolerance as well which means that for a lot of young people with no assets, put it in an index fund. Go to Vanguard, go to Fidelity, open up just about any brokerage account you can, any IRA, Roth IRA, just put it in an index fund and let it sit there and keep adding to it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that for most people who are younger and don't have as as, uh, many assets as older people, 
I don't really know if there's a better fiduciary decision for that person for a for a long period of time. That could be 10, 15, 20 years that you that you do have that period of time just because if you've got $10,000 and the most you can lose is $10,000 and that's probably not much relative to where your assets would be in 30, 40, 50 years. It's you just, you know, you don't have much to lose. There's a high risk tolerance there. And so I think those people going to an advisor and paying an advisory fee um, even if you find an advisor that'll take you on as a client, it's just any good fiduciary, in my opinion, would say you don't you don't need this. You need to do you need to handle yeah. your own money. Yeah, and and I guess talk about why this um, stigma has happened. You know where people feel like they almost can't start without a financial advisor. You know because yeah. I, I mean it's kind of going back to the way things almost used to be. Yeah, exactly. Because it used to be a, a much, much harder to open up an account at Vanguard or, I mean, any kind of IRA or any investments were, were really difficult up until around the early 2000s when ETFs came into play because ETFs allowed you to buy an index fund for a fractional price. So in the past, you would have mutual funds that were only sold through advisors who required a $50,000 account minimum. And then those mutual funds had a 2% expense ratio or 3% expense ratio on top of all of that. And so you really didn't have a way to just go and say, I want to buy stock, the stock market. That was a very blanket term. And we've said, oh, just put it all in stock. So what does that actually mean? And so uh, really until the last 20 years, there wasn't an efficient way to do that. And that's thanks to ETFs and also just thanks to the Internet. That sounds kind of cliche to say, but now anybody can go online and enter in their personal information at Vanguard and open up an account in five to ten minutes. Yeah. And that just wasn't possible 20 years ago. And now at the same time, you can do that and with as little as $1,000 start investing. Yep. And that's those barriers to entry were so much higher in the 70s and 80s when you had financial advisors starting to get licensed and they would say, we've got a great mutual fund for you. And then nobody even knew what an in index fund weren't around. So you couldn't say, well, is it an index fund? Is the expense ratio low? Those questions just didn't fundamentally exist. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that transparency has helped um, investors definitely. And, you know, I tell people this all the time that you know, this is the best time in the history of investing for an individual to be able to invest money on their own when mm -hmm. it comes to right. trying to build that wealth over time. And, and I think, you know, like you hit on with mutual funds, like that was a way that if you didn't have enough money to buy a full share of whatever company's stock, right. you could mutually own that with other people. And so now, you know, with the way that advising or not advising with the way that you know markets are today you can just decide whatever dollar amount you wouldn't put in and right. buy whatever percentage or fractional yeah. shares or different things i think even recently it was what they, you could buy fractional yeah you shares can buy fractional shares because like, everybody wants to you know we talk about this a lot it's a great example you say i want to buy amazon i don't want to buy an index fund i want to buy amazon well you got to have twenty five hundred dollars to buy one share of amazon right that's I mean, Pretty if you're 22 years old, $2,500 is a lot of money. Well, especially <laughs> if you're trying to save monthly. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, so, one share a month is pretty good price. Now you can find somewhere that's going to let you buy a fourth of a share. That's, I mean, that it was hard enough to buy a share, one share if you had money in 1980 and you had to go through a financial advisor, place an order, maybe call it in, do all that. Now you can do it on on a, an app on your phone in less than five minutes. It's just, right. And I think the fee compression of the industry has also helped um, the individuals to mm -hmm. not have to 
uh, get gouged in some ways, yeah, maybe I mean, a, uh, from a financial advisor standpoint. Because, you know, as you look at things, financial advisors can almost get paid if it's not a management fee platform. They can get paid coming and going, you know, of the, right. the churning of the positions. And sometimes in the past, yeah. that's been a situation where an advisor has been able to talk people into trading stock positions, right. if nothing else, so that they could create commissions. Yeah, and so the transparency that's happened in the last 20 years has been really good for that. ETFs versus mutual funds, even the transparency there, where you get to see what is actually in the ETF on a regular basis, sometimes a daily basis, where mutual funds, you don't get to see that, but mostly on a quarterly basis. The transparency even within the products you're investing in, or like you said, with the invest- the advisors themselves and the transparency that they now offer due to the market changes is much better. Yeah. And I'd say just so we can kind of segment this conversation between like financial advice for younger people and then financial yeah. advice for older people. Cause I think that, and again, who's older people, it really just yeah. <laughs> an eye of the beholder. Um, but you know, when you look at starting out, if you were making an argument for a financial advisor, helping a young couple, it's trying to project out into the future, right. you know, because like we've, we've talked about, you know, with the problems associated with Social Security, most people our age probably aren't factoring that into the equation or shouldn't be for right. a significant portion. Um, so then it puts more and more pressure on those investments. And if we combine the lack of income sources with inflationary increase over time, like that gets to be just a super big number mm-hmm. uh, that's really hard for us to project, wow, I could need this much money at some right. stage of the game. So. So I think some some conversations, and typically, like in our business, this comes from, you know, when we get a client that's at retirement age, they want us to talk to their kids about, you know, planning and, and different things, which, mm-hmm. you know, you can make an argument. Planning advice at the beginning is important just to know kind of how much to save and doing different right. things like that. And then, obviously, as that transitions to a different stage, um, you know, the importance goes up, like we'll talk about in a second. But, but I think trying to project out and – you know, again, just to use some rules of thumb, but not to totally harp on them, you know, trying to project out and say, what is a number that we can take 4% of and be able to make life work? And obviously there's a lot to do with how you would invest that money to get that 4%. Right. Um, But I think that allows people to kind of go out 20 years and say, okay, I need to be shooting at this number for a potential goal uh, so that I can take four percent of that and support my lifestyle right you know or yeah and i think if you're you know and i want to argue for again or against having a financial advisor and so the argument there would be at i think if you're in that young stage and you're projecting out these really long numbers like you said maybe you can make an argument that you meet with them once at the beginning to get all the basics and then maybe on a periodic basis as far as every couple of years or something, but that's at most. And yeah. if I, if you're that young and you're projecting out big numbers, you're just trying to make sure, okay, do you have automatic savings plans in place? Are you saving a right percentage of your income on a regular basis? Oh, your IRA balance is growing by this amount. That's good. You're on track. Just keep it going. And that, and those meetings can be so fast that I think you can accomplish those purposes in a lot of different yeah. uh, ways now. I mean, that's where there's a, there in the last few years you've seen people say, well, our robo advisor is going to replace financial advisors. I think you could make that argument for younger people. Is that yes? Because they'll ask you for the same four or five questions every every year for the next fifteen years, mm-hmm. and they're they're not going to have any thought in it. But it's you don't need you know you need to be doing the same thing for a very long time, and so it'll be able to tell you whether you get on those numbers. But 
I think that would be the best argument, you know, for those platforms, for the robo-advisor platforms and against the advisor would be if you are just in that position, like you said, you're just building to this really large number to get to that 4%. Yeah. And, and like we said, I mean, I think you put it well, we're maybe having that conversation at the beginning, just getting the savings machine going mm. uh, is really the essential thing because I think sometimes people think they can be saving enough and then they severely undershoot the mark of where they need to be. Yeah. And they were disciplined in their saving. They just didn't realize how big of a number yeah. they needed to put away early. Right. Um, or so, have a dollar yeah. cost averaging program. I've told, I have uh, talked to some of my friends before as I've helped them try to get that conversation started. And I've said, one of the best things you can do is set up an automatic investment program to come out of your bank account every month or even every paycheck and just have it similar to a 401k and then just forget about it. Yeah. Just, just set it to a high percentage that you can withstand. And then if you get a raise, maybe go in there and increase it a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, just set it and forget it. But having that initial conversation to let everybody know that those things are out there, I think could be important. But after that, it's just set it and go. Right. And so as we look at it, you know, we want to make sure people are able to get, and, and again, there's so much information out there trying to weed through that and get what you need is really essential in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. So, uh, you know, we want to make ourselves available for that. You know, our website, Blue Ridge Wealth. Uh, you can get resources on investing, you know, maybe even set up times. Um, but again, we'll, we'll kind of transition now to kind of the, as you age, the, the importance of a financial advisor and maybe, you know, just kind of comparing that versus not having one even in those younger years uh, in just a second when we come back on back and forth. Are you nearing the age of retirement? Is your 401k not looking the way you'd hoped all those years ago? Retirement is supposed to be a time to relax, a time to live. Here at Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, we strive to provide that service and opportunity. We can help you form a plan that will maintain and grow your retirement savings so that you can achieve what you envisioned when you originally set out on this journey. To see where you sit and what you can do to stand again, visit planforeverything.com. That's planforeverything.com. Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, let us plan for everything so you don't have to. All right, welcome back to uh, Back and Forth. This is John Vandergriff, Zach Hill, going back and forth about the importance of financial advisors, whether or not we need them, and maybe at what stages they become more valuable uh, to a financial situation than before. And so we talked about in that younger phase of life, and we'll talk about this, maybe not even just like the lower asset level, because we'll talk about how maybe that can be a very important arena to plan in. Um, but, but being at that lower asset, lower age range, you know, the more risk that you take, you don't really need an advisor to, you know, position those things because there's a lot of resources out there. It's just the consistency of saving and the consistency Mm -hmm. of leaving that money in risky positions, even if it loses money, you know? So, so as we look at it, as we talk about the importance of an advisor, you know, we want to be in a position where we understand that, as the needs of our money grow, the complexity of our situation changes. So, you know, as we're working through our lives and we're aging, we're telling our money grow as fast as possible. And we're trying to add gasoline to that by the contributions that we make. And so when we get to a period of our life, maybe at retirement, maybe early retirement, but once you start to have substantial assets, that you now are shifting the focus from just growing money to doing other things with it ju- than just growing and taking above average level of risk, 
that's where you want to start involving a financial advisor to help um, kind of break up mm-hmm. that portfolio and give kind of defined jobs to different po- um, you know pockets of money. Right. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with a guy just before this, and you know, like we've talked about, now is a great time for you to invest your money. But as you look at what individual investors can do on their own versus what they can't, I would say you know more of the aggressive passive platform is really the advantage of an individual investor that you see like the vanguards, like we've talked about, um, where people can do things on their own, keep their fees super efficient. But at the same time, you really can't keep those buckets from losing money very well. I mean, it's just, they're going to do whatever the index does. And so if you get lucky and you pick an index that doesn't lose in turbulent (laughs) times, it's more luck of the draw than like actually planned, um, you know, risk management. And so, right. so where a, a financial advisor should be able to add a lot of value in that conversation is exposing you to instruments that you just can't get on your own, whether it's because mm-hmm. you don't have enough education, you don't have enough licensing, or there are specific relationships required for those that you just don't get if you're, you know, a, a person walking in off the street right. trying to go to a brokerage system. Yeah. And the diversification that that provides is so different from the diversification you would get at a Vanguard or something like that. You already said that as most people think about a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio. But when you talk to a financial advisor, they can open up that diversification to a world of different things. Yeah. Cause it's not just stocks and bonds right. and thousands of stocks and thousands of bonds, but it's like, how can we actually get things that act totally different? And exactly. so, so as we look at it, where most people transition into retirement, is they're trying to shift from this growth focus primarily to how do I preserve this gain that I've had over a long period of time? And then how do I turn this bucket into a thing that provides income for me when I Mm -hmm. stop working? And those jobs are drastically different than we just want to grow your money and hope it takes care of everything, which is unfortunately the way that most of the financial industry manages money. It's just we're going to grow this money at a reckless abandon and hope it takes care of everything else that you need. Yeah, there's no individual planning at all. It's yeah. just all about growth. It's let's look at the percentage, the annual return on this, the annualized return, and that's what you should plan on getting and grow it. Right. That's it. There's no like, oh, what's your actual situation? Let me talk to you and figure out what's actually appropriate for you. And, and as you look at it, you know, there will be some people that will probably argue, oh, well, advisors are going to be watching different stocks more than I will. Uh, so they're going to be maybe a part that I need to do in this growth phase of my life. You could say that, um, but you've got to make sure that you examine the fee structure of that relationship pretty carefully. Right. And, you, I mean, the thing that you run into, like we've talked about on the show before with individual stocks, is they make a bad pick. <laughs> you're taking a lot more risk in that one yeah. position instead of spreading the risk out. So so as we look at it, sometimes we even have relationships with clients where if they've been managing their own money for 10 or 20 years, uh, they may continue to manage the risky piece of it and then let us come in and provide uh, some of the more conservative mm-hmm. risk management type of uh, positions like you know conservatively managed positions or you know, maybe diversification into real estate, maybe some insurance products, things that are going to have obviously different opportunities but different risk um, thresholds right. than just traditional stock investing so that mm-hmm. it allows the investor to know, okay, I can be 
as aggressive as maybe I want to be with this portion of my money because I have this other money over here that's really helping me balance the the risk scale. Right. You know. Yeah, and we've talked about even if you do, you know, use an advisor for the riskiest portion of your assets, there are small changes in that that advisors should be looking at and are um, taking advantage of. Like we've said before, there was a big 20, 30-year period where value investing outperformed growth, and then lately it's been growth. So the advisor should be watching that and knowing kind of, oh, maybe it's time to start tilting you back towards value, and so you can provide some you know, you provide some value there for, as an advisor, just even on the riskiest portion of the the assets that other places may not. Yeah, it's just, I think the thing that drives me a little crazy, you know, yeah. from a kind of fiduciary aspect is I've seen many a situation where somebody comes in with a brokerage statement and they have a managed stock position uh, where the positions have not been touched in four years yeah. and they've paid over a percentage fee every yeah. year just for that person to squat on this money, for yeah. lack of a better term. Yeah. You know, that's not management. You can do that. You don't right. need a financial advisor to charge you 1% to own Apple stock, you know, so that like yeah. that platform makes it to where an, an advisor relationship, if there's not management going on, you know, you may look at that and say, I want to move this in kind to somewhere else and, and lower my cost at yeah. worst case, you know, but then adding an advisor in for the process of, you know, obviously diversification of assets, but also the planning conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's where you want to be careful because sometimes people think, oh, well, I don't need an advisor because I don't have enough money. And, and they think I've got to have $10 million to be able to benefit from a financial planner. And the reality is like we are, you know, our company is Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. You know, wealth in our country is defined so differently uh, because right of just the divide, unfortunately. And I think, you know, education and resources is a big thing that we want to help provide people with. But, you know, this is a statistic that's a few years old. But at the time, people that were retirement age that had saved $250,000 or, or more uh, in our country was one out of seven. Yeah. So, I mean, wealth yeah. is not $10 million. It may be $250,000. Right. And it, I would argue at that level, you can do a lot of damage really quickly if you don't know mm -hmm. what you're doing. And so, so again, you can say, you know, somebody has $500 to invest, you know, that is a, a situation where it's not going to matter too much where you put that, <laughs> you know, but if you've got five or $500,000, like you can do some things over the next 10 years to really screw that up. Right. Uh, if you don't have the right advice or situation to plan for kind of some of those things and really, knowing how much you can pull off of mm -hmm. it. You know, I, I don't think I've shared this on here, but I've had situations where people had over a million-dollar portfolio, no advisor advised them on how much money they should be taking off of it, and so they were fully invested in stocks, taking over 10% of their money, which, again, is irresponsible, <laughs> no matter how good the market yeah. is, uh, taking 10% out, and then an event like 2008 happens, and eight years later yeah. they have – $200,000 out of a million dollar start value. It's like, tell me they're not going to yeah. run out of money if they don't get some advice in that situation. So, yeah. Or a lot of people have a significant portion of their wealth in their 401ks that they haven't looked at. Yeah. They're nearing retirement. And then, like you said, uh, you know, what just happened in the first quarter of 2020 happens and they right. look at it and 30% of their wealth is down and they were planning on retiring in six months and they haven't, they just haven't even thought about it or talked to anybody about those things. Yeah, and I think, you know, as you look at that, that's an interesting dynamic because 
again, you may consider that you have a financial advisor through your 401k, but really there's not a huge level of planning going on there from no. how do I take this bucket and turn it into an income in my retirement years. And so being in a place where having a conversation with somebody that is experienced in that level of planning is really like you would do in any area. You know, if you're trying to plan a vacation to Disney World and you go talk to somebody who's never done it, <laughs> they may be able to help you. They may Google just yeah. as well as you can Google. Um, but it, you want to find one of these Disney travel agents, man, they know what they're talking about. You know, it's like you got to find the expert yeah. for whatever the phase of life is. And so, you know, for us, you know, our job is not to uh, manage risky assets and double values in five years. It's to help people income plan and preserve their assets. So it's, you know, like that's our niche in the marketplace. And for people that that's a fit for, we're a great fit. For people that are wanting to double their money, we'll probably tell them to go somewhere yeah. else. But I think that's the thing, too, where there are some different specialties, even inside of the financial advisor range, mm -hmm. where as long as you get somebody that's a fiduciary and as long as you get somebody that's experienced in the level of planning that you need, I think you're going to be okay and it will be worth your time and maybe even paying that person to take on his advisor relationship. It's just making sure that you kind of clear and check those boxes first, Right, I think, is really the big thing. So. So, again, hopefully this was very valuable for you as you listen to us go back and forth. Obviously, we're a little biased. We see the value. But, again, we'll acknowledge that there are certain periods of time in life where you need to just do some things on your own as long as you can be disciplined. You know, we didn't even talk about this, but sometimes the job of a financial advisor can be a uh, an emotional coach uh, to mm. talk you out of making bad decisions with your money. But, again, as you're staying disciplined as you get younger, really the value and the need for that starts to go up up as your age increases, as your wealth increases, and you're in a position where you need some guidance on, again, how to divide uh, these buckets into different things and conquer. So, mm -hmm. so again, hopefully uh, that was valuable to you. If you have any questions, info at blueridgewealth.com would be a great place to send some questions. Uh, we may even do a podcast sometime where we answer financial questions, but right now we're just taking topics and going back and forth. So hopefully you enjoyed our episode today. We look forward to sharing it again with you later, uh, but that's all. Investment advisory services offered through Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, MAS, and Blue Ridge Wealth Planners are not affiliated companies.